Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Community Connections. I'm joined today with my co-host, Emily Thomas. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with Krista, who is a nurse liaison at Hospice of Davidson County. She works closely with our facilities and hospitals. She's here today to discuss the types of care for your loved ones as um, they grow older and need more support. So Krista, thank you for joining us today. And uh, just kind of to uh, set a basis of why we're talking about this, uh, you know, it's can be challenging. I'm sure, you know, working in our hospitals and facilities, I can imagine it's a challenge to, um, you know, provide that education to families as there's so many different options and we're only going to cover you know, a very few limited options and I'm sure it changes in different areas um, of what's available. But if you could just kind of explain um, what are families' options when it comes to um, increased care for their loved one. Okay, yes. Thank you guys for having me. Um, There are several different options. Um, One option, of course, is what they call skilled nursing care, sometimes called a SNF. Um, There is assisted living care, also known as an ALF. Then you have short-term rehab. You have home health agencies. And then there's also, um, it's called Carolina Senior Care. And they're an all-inclusive health care for the elderly. Okay. And can you just explain a little bit about, uh, I'll start sort of in the beginning where you said this, you called it a SNF, a skilled nursing facility. Um, Is that a, um, you know, I think sometimes people call, you know, we use the term um, nursing home, right? Is that what we're referring to? Or is that something different? It is. People call it long-term care facility, a skilled facility, or a nursing home. And that is where um, where people can go if they need 24-hour care, if they need ongoing care, or um, care that just that can't be done in the home. Um, and that's for those that have had um, chronic diseases that are difficult to manage, people that need IV fluids. Um, it's they have. 24-hour caregivers, so they have licensed nurses, CNAs. Um, they're all there around the clock. Um, and so that is one of the things. It's more kind of institutionalized, but it is some rooms are private. Some rooms, most rooms are double bed, so there's two residents per room. Um, you can, it's covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private pay. Um, The assisted livings are more for those people that just need a little extra help or management with um, medication management, a little bit of extra care with their personal care. Um, They they do not have to have a licensed nurse on site 24 hours a day, but they do have caregivers on site to help. And they do have emergency plans in place if any um, acute issues would arise. That is also most of the time the assisted living facilities, they're covered by, um, it's usually private pay, which they are cheaper than a skilled facility. Um, some, some of the facilities in this area do offer or will accept Medicaid. There's just a couple of those. 
Um, home health agencies is another option. Sometimes when people need, um, they don't necessarily need inpatient rehab. They may need just a little extra help at home. It does require a doctor's order and they can receive nursing care, CNA services to help with personal care. Um, they have physical therapy, occupational therapy, and also speech therapy that can come into the home. It's not as intensive as an inpatient unit, but um, they usually come about two or three times a week or just depending on the need of the patient. Now, speaking on short-term rehab, that is also um, another option that's available. And a lot of times that is for those that are leaving the hospital. Maybe they had surgery and they can't quite go home. They need to learn how um, to do, to care for themselves again, people that have strokes that, that, um, just need that extra care, how to learn how to adjust. Um, they can go there. It is more intensive. It's, they have therapy every day. Um, it is covered by Medicare typically, and it's a short period of time. So they'll go in, get the care that they need with the, the goal of going back home to be able to live independently. Um, Carolina Senior Care is, like I said, it's an all-inclusive. It helps keep people at home. Um, they have providers there. They have caregivers. They have therapies. Um, it's, they also have like a day center that residents can go, um, stay there during the day, and then they, get, um, they go back home in the evenings. Um, and then also there is what they call private paid caregivers. So sometimes people don't want to go to these facilities and they can stay in their home and hire caregivers that can come and help with personal care, bathing, dressing, meals, um, running errands, help with their medication. And they can either, the hours are based on um, their needs and how much time the families need for them to be there. Sometimes there are some services that will be covered by Medicaid, but typically those have really long waiting lists. And so um, most of those services are private pay. I know that a lot of times this, these are really hard decisions for families to make in terms of what to do. Um, and I know you mentioned some of them, um, but if you could go into the pros and cons and kind of things to consider when you're deciding what to do for your loved ones in these situations. Okay. And so a lot of it, honestly, is based on finances, what um, what the family can afford um, or if they do have Medicaid or not and the requirements, the needs of the patient, um, how much help do they need? Um, so that's the biggest factor in making those decisions. And right now with COVID, a lot of the facilities are not allowing visitors in. So that is definitely um, hard for families and for the residents there not being able to have the visitors. Um, I think anytime that a patient can stay at home, if they're able, that's the best option um, and trying to make them have the best quality of life they can um, and stay as independent as possible. But sometimes that's not an option. And so we have these other areas that they can go and get assistance. Right. Um, kind of leading into that, uh, for patients that are at end of life, what are some of the benefits of having hospice and facility care or home health care at the same time? 
Right. So with um, usually when patients are facing end of life, therapies and treatments, things like that um, are no longer going to be helpful. And so a lot of times it hurts to try to continue those types of therapies. Um, And so we focus more on that comfort and we do provide hospice services um, in these facilities, in the long-term care facilities, in the assisted living. Um, We go to them wherever they call home. Um, Now, one thing with hospice, sometimes physical therapy, occupational therapy, um, speech therapy, those things are more considered aggressive care. And typically Medicare will not be able to cover both at the same time. And so sometimes families have to make that decision. Is it going to help right now? Or do we need to focus more on comfort and quality versus trying to, um, are they even going to be able to get better? You know, you, so you mentioned in terms of like how we make these decisions or, or what we decide is best and finances make a big deal. And unfortunately, it's sort of the world we live in, right? Um, yeah. Finances play a big role into just about everything we do. I would ask, how do families even approach making a decision like this? I mean, you know, we all know that, you know, sometimes things happen very quickly. Sometimes we know about them for a long time, maybe if it's a progressive disease that they've had for quite a few years. But how do families approach all this information? Because, I mean, we've only been talking for 10 minutes, and I imagine that you could spend an hour discussing all the differences in the types of care. So what would you say for uh, families on how to approach this and how to make a, an informed decision that they can be, that they can at least be at peace with? So I would, I mean, as much information as you can get from different resources is your best option. Um, yeah. So the um, the first step would be reaching out to your local social services. They can help guide you, give you everything that you need, answer those questions, um, see if which direction that you may need to go. That would be the best step. Um, and of course, um, as a liaison for hospice, I have lots of resources that are available and I'm glad to help anybody that may have those questions. Those are something that we can help with. Mm-hmm. And if you had to um, discuss with a family um, on the best decision for their loved one, take me, can you just take us through the process of what things that you're looking for as a, as being both a nurse and a liaison for different types of care? So I'm constantly assessing. I'm looking at um, the big picture, what's going on right now, what has been going on. Um, We'll decide together. I I like to listen to the the patient's story um, and try to figure out what their goals are. Um, Do they want to try to stay at home as long as they can? Do they have somebody available in their family that can be able to stay with them around the clock when that time comes. Um, We try to look and make plan, plan ahead. You know, um, we hope that people can stay in their homes by themselves if they're able, but we always have to have a backup plan. So always looking ahead and trying to figure out um, what are their options? Do we need to start looking for a long-term care facility and start making those plans, start reaching out to facilities, seeing if they have beds, um, seeing who in the community, I mean, reaching out to the local churches or that you're associated with, that can be beneficial. Friends, neighbors, 
um, that's where I tell people to start too. If, if they're starting to need extra help, reaching out to those people. And I know these are hard conversations to have, but do you find that it's easier when families have had these discussions with each other before the time comes and it's an imminent decision that needs to be made, like just to have these hard conversations in advance? Most definitely. These conversations, talking about that is very hard, um, but it's good to go ahead and have a plan in place, you know, start making those decisions I mean, it's never too early to start. Um, you know, I already have a living will and have my healthcare power of attorney documents, and I, my family knows what I would want in certain situations. and And so, it is good to go ahead and make those plans. Um, if you haven't looked into long term care insurance, that's also a good plan because so many families that I talk to, you know, they don't make enough money for Medicaid but they don't have enough money to pay private pay. And they're just in this spot that there's, there's really no help out there. And you have to really start looking and um, trying to find different resources to be able to help. Yeah. Well, you know, I think we kind of went through some of the pros to long-term care. I'd like to ask, and you mentioned that if possible, keeping at home is often what patients want. How about for the families that, um, you know, when it comes to that time, you know, we hear this discussion all the time about, I don't want them to pass at home or they don't want to pass at home, right? It's important to them to not um, feel like they're burdening a family member or something like that. Uh, you know, I know that you refer people into say a, a hospice house, like we have here, the, the hospice Hinkle house. Um, what would you say are benefits of that type of care? Cause I know we've not really covered that yet. Right. And so we're, we are fortunate that we have the Hinkle hospice house here as an option where we didn't before. Um, Sometimes families, they they do not want a patient to pass in their home because they're going to still be living there and they might have memories that they don't want to remember during that time. And so having the hospice house is a great option. Um, and so working with your local hospice and seeing if the patient is having symptoms that they could go there. Um, we have different levels of care there. The first one, of course, is what they call routine. And that one... Um, if there's not having, if a patient's not having any symptoms that's requiring um, frequent medication adjustments or um, they can go there and there's a room and board fee associated with it just because Medicare is not going to cover the cost of that. But if a patient is having shortness of breath or pain um, and they're needing frequent medication adjustments, they could go there and Medicare will cover that stay 100%. Um, until whether they get them stabilized or until that loved one does pass. Well, I, you know, I think you've given a lot of information and hopefully um, people have uh, taken something from it. I, I think um, what I took from your uh, talk today is there's a lot of uh, different options out there. And I think probably a big challenge is just, you know, going through all the information and making an informed decision. Um right. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate you coming on and talking about that with us. And, you know, maybe in the future, we'll uh, dive into one of those types of care a little bit more with you, because I think we could uh, spend quite a bit more time on it. But, um, you know, again, thank you for joining us today. And thank you to Emily for um, co-hosting with me. And, uh, you know, uh, 
we just really appreciate you taking time to come on with us. Well, thank you for having me. So, uh, you know, if you enjoyed um, today's episode, please rate, review, subscribe, uh, check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I look forward to uh, putting out more content on here. Um, We have, uh, you know, another episode coming out in two weeks. So please uh, check us out.